Hello, everyone. My name is Ben Hopkin, and welcome back to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama, where we keep the drama on the stage and in front of the camera and out of our personal lives. So, today we're going to talk a little bit about marketing, which is always a daunting prospect for pretty much any actor I've ever talked to. It's just an intimidating topic for most of us. Basically, what we're going to be talking about today is the headshot, our resume, and our acting reel. And we're going to talk a little bit about what those want to look like, how we go about using them, and what are some things that work the best in terms of putting those together. For those of you that caught last week's podcast, you noticed that it was my acting reel. Now, that's always a little bit of a risky proposition, putting your acting reel out there for people to critique. But it is out there, and the reason that it's out there is because I wanted a starting off point to be able to talk about it. And we will talk about it when we start talking about reels a little bit later. The first thing that I wanted to do was just to talk briefly about the idea of marketing. Because just that word, I think, kind of terrifies us. And I want to kind of demystify it a little bit, if I can, just with some ideas. We have this idea of the industry, and I've spoken about this before, We have this idea of the industry as this big, huge entity that we have to break our way into, that it's this formless, faceless, evil empire that we are trying to somehow overcome, when in reality, the industry is made up of a bunch of individuals. It's made up of people, just like you and me. (laughs) I know that that sounds kind of foolish, but that's exactly true. Pretty much everybody in the industry is seeking to better their career, to move up the ladder, to work on bigger and better projects, or if they are working on those bigger and better projects, to continue to do so. And so one of the things that I want us to think about when we're talking about approaching the industry is the fact that we're not approaching the industry. We are approaching people, individuals, each and every time. And that's something that really changes the way that we deal with those individuals as we go into the room. One of the things that happens to us as actors is when we go in to meet with a casting director or we go in to meet with an agent or we go in to meet with a manager or a director or a producer is that the entire time we're thinking of them as the person that can make or break our career rather than as someone that we want to share our craft with. We want to share what we can do with them and that they are another person that we want to connect with. And that's kind of where most of us, I I know that I certainly struggle with this, that's where we fall down is because we are wanting to get that job. We are wanting to make sure that we nail the audition. But in reality, the only time that you really nail that audition is when you really connect. And that can only happen when we let go of that idea of this person as our ticket. People can sense when we're treating them like an object. So anytime we treat someone as less than human by saying, this is my, this is my ticket, this is my meal ticket, they're going to feel it. They're going to know. And so we really want to avoid that whenever we possibly can. So that's the first and foremost thing that I'm going to say about marketing. And it's an idea that I'll probably come back to again and again in later podcasts, which is the industry is not the industry. It's a collection of individuals. And the more that we think about it that way, the better our lives will be. And honestly, the more they're going to like us and like us for who we are instead of sort of coming across as a a social climber. So the first thing that we want to talk about in terms of 
sharing our craft with others, is our toolbox. And in our toolbox, we should have certain things. The headshot. This is one that actors agonize over. And it is a really important tool, so it's not surprising that we do that, that we really do stress out over the headshot. The first thing that I would say is that if you have the money, spend the money to get good headshots. If you don't have the money, there are some things that we can do to try to get headshots that are still going to be competitive, that are going to work. But if you do have the money to spend, this is one of the places where you do want to spend it. There are individuals out there that really all they do is headshots. They do headshot photography. They're known for it. You can actually, you want to do your research before you go in and take pictures with anyone. You want to make sure that you know the kinds of pictures that you want and then looking online at their gallery to make sure that the kinds of pictures that they take are similar to the ones that you want. The other thing is, is that you want to interview with them. You want to talk to them to make sure that it's a good personality fit. Because if you're taking pictures with someone that makes you uncomfortable, guess what? Your headshots are going to end up looking like you're uncomfortable. So those are a couple of things to keep in mind. I would definitely recommend that you get color headshots. It used to be that black and white was the way to go, and I was, I was a holdout for a long time. Uh, I just love the look of black and white photography, just love the feel of it. And yeah, at the end of the day, headshots should be in color at this point. There's really no reason not to get them in color. So I would highly recommend that you do that. Uh, it, it has become the norm, certainly, in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles and New York have a tendency to sort of dictate the other markets. The other markets look to Los Angeles and New York to see what should be happening in terms of these things. So that is definitely something. Now, you'll have people that go back and forth in terms of whether you should get a true headshot that just has your head, if you should have a three-quarter shot that shows more of your body, and sort of a whole lot of in-betweens, you know, as a, a shot from the waist up. And really, my opinion on this is play to your strengths. If you're someone that's got a really round face so that when you take a headshot, it looks like you're overweight, you might want to back it up a little bit. You want to, might want to make sure that they're seeing a little bit more of your body so that they can tell that you're fit. Basically, what you want to do is you want to represent yourself accurately. If you walk into an audition and you don't look like your headshot, that's a bad thing. Your headshot may look amazing. It may look like Brad Pitt, but if you don't look like Brad Pitt, when you walk in the door you're going to have some upset filmmakers. You're going to have some people that are not particularly pleased. You want to make sure that it is accurate. Obviously, we want it to look good. We want to make sure that we're presenting the best us possible, but we don't want to make it falsely good. I've, I've seen a lot of almost glamour shots, uh, particularly from women, where they look like Kate Moss, but then when they walk in, that's not really what they look like. That's not, uh, it's, it's an inaccurate depiction of who they are. And so that's, I would say, one of the most important things about a headshot is make sure that it represents who you are. So if the headshot better represents you, go with the true headshot, you know, from the neck up. If it's going to be more accurate to go to the waist or even further down, uh, do that. But do it with some sense of judgment because you do want to make sure that they can really, that your face pops. It's your face that shows the expression, and so 
you don't want to lose that. And that can happen sometimes when you're taking a shot that's a three-quarter shot or that uh, shows more of your body. So those are some things to take into consideration when you are looking into taking headshots. My opinion is that the three-quarter shot seems to do a little bit better in the commercial world. It seems to be a little more theatrical to have it be a true headshot. Now, that's just my opinion on it. I don't know that uh, anyone out there would agree with me, but uh, that's, that's the way that I look at it. So, moving on to the resume. Here's where we want to make sure that we are telling the best story that we can that is accurate as well. The first thing that I'm going to say is don't lie on your resume. Period. End of statement. People will find out. You will end up, you know, if you put a credit on there that's not real, you'll end up talking to somebody that actually worked on that project and knows that you weren't in it. It happens so many times. And I've, I've talked to people directly that, it, that it's happened to, and it's just a miserable experience. That's a bridge that's burned. You really can't go back to that person with anything other than that reputation as someone that's dishonest. And so you really want to make sure that you're not putting false information on your resume. Now, with that said, you also want to have your resume looking as good as possible. If you don't have a lot of credits, you want to put as many credits on there as you possibly can. And so dredge the bottom of the barrel, you know, really go through and find those things that you've done. Anything that has any, any credit that has anything to do with acting, put it on there, at least to begin with. They want to see that you are going to be at least comfortable when they bring you in for an audition. The less they see, the more they're going to be concerned about bringing you in for something that's professional. Uh, the other thing that I would say to that is make sure that you've got credits. And you do have some amount of control over that. A lot of that has to do with how willing you are to put yourself out there. How willing are you to do work for free? How much are you willing to do for your craft? If you are willing to work for free, there are people that are constantly looking for actors. They're looking for actors for their student films. They're looking for their short films that they're trying to get into film festivals. There are constantly people out there in search of actors. And so if you're willing to work for little or nothing, you'll have much more opportunity than if you're holding out for the big payday. So, as I said, you have some amount of control over the kinds of credits that you have. Now, that is not to say that you should do anything. I'm, I'm not suggesting that. Maybe at first, but certainly... As you get some experience and you start to have a feel for what you enjoy doing, what are things that you do well, if you've got a bad feeling about a situation, if you're auditioning for a show and you're like, wow, this feels like a waste of my time, it is okay to not accept a role when a, when a role is offered to you. If you have concerns about the project, it's okay to have those concerns. It is okay not to take that part Certainly at first, you want to be a little less discriminating maybe, but as you go along, you will start to develop kind of a sixth sense about who's full of crap and who's not, and allow that instinct to guide you as you're going through the process. Uh, every once in a while, you'll be surprised. You'll do a project that you are sure is not going to do anything, and it will, or you'll do something that you think, wow, this is going to be the next big thing, and it turns out to be just complete and utter crap. That's going to happen to everybody. 
we all cringe when we watch Waiting for Guffman or when we watch For Your Consideration because we've all been there in those shows that you think are going to go to Broadway and they're just, wow, really bad. So allow yourself to be discriminating with wisdom and use those projects, the low-budget projects, the student projects to beef up your resume and to put together your reel, which is the next topic that we're going to talk about. But in terms of the resume, before I go on from that, uh, you do want to make sure that it's well formatted. This is not the kind of resume where you want to do it in paragraph form. You want to make sure your name is in big type up at the top. Any unions that you're a part of would be right underneath that. If, you are, if you're part of the Screen Actors Guild, that is definitely something that you want to put on there. If you're a member of AEA, that's another thing that you're going to want to put on there. Definitely those unions would be right underneath that contact information and then you're going to list the projects and generally what people do is that they will start off with their film credits then move to television credits and then theatrical credits after that typically on your theatrical resume you will not include commercial credits if you're pressed for content commercials can go on there but just be aware of the fact that generally those don't go on a professional acting resume you can put commercial credits by request uh, just to let them know that you do have some. But again, generally, they're not going to go on the resume. Uh, typically, the way that you would lay it out is you would have the title of the project on the left margin. In the middle, you would have either the role that you played, if you're, if you're talking about theater, or if you're talking about film and television, you'll have the type of role it was. Was it a starring role? Was it a guest starring role? Was it a principal role? Was it a featured role? And each of those words means something, actually. If it is a major part, then that's going to be a starring role. If you're talking about a principal, that doesn't mean exactly what it means for most theater actors. A principal role basically means you had a speaking role. Featured typically means that you're a featured extra. You didn't have lines. So be cautious when you're putting your credits on there. Again, you don't want to lie about it. If you were a featured extra, don't put on there that you were a principal. They'll catch you on it. So, once you have completed the sections that are for film credits, television credits, and theater credits. Now, again, this is for Los Angeles. If you're in New York, a lot of times those will be flip-flopped. You put theater at the top. It really sort of depends on your market. But generally speaking, when you're talking about auditioning for film and television, film and television should be at the top. And then... At the last, you can put any training that you've had. And this is your opportunity to talk about where you went to school. So if you went to a grad program, that's definitely something that you would want to put there. If you are taking class with anyone, that's uh, a place to put it. If you had a workshop on uh, Shakespeare technique, that's where you would put that. And then at the last, you can put any special skills you have. If you can whistle with your nose, <laughs> you never know when it might come in handy. So go ahead and put it down. Uh, this is one of the places where in other resumes you might, might want to be a little more reserved. But when it comes to acting, put it on there. You know, if you can juggle, put it on there. If you can ride horses, put it on there. You can ride a motorcycle, put it on there. You never know when it might come in handy. Certainly if you have any musical talent at all. Any musical ability, you want to make sure that that's a part of your resume. Okay, so actually, we are way out of time. So rather than continue or complete this at this moment, we have talked about now headshots and we've talked about resumes. Next week, I'm going to talk about 
the real, and I will also talk about some things that you can do to get help with these things. And again, I want to remind you guys to get out there and get acting. And thank you so much for joining in with me, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama. For more information, and to follow my blog on acting, please go to www.actingwithoutthedrama.com. To contact me with questions or ideas, please email me at actingwithoutthedrama at gmail.com.